Amen. Thank you, brother. I want to ask you tonight, this evening, to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. We'll get to start a brand new chapter this, this evening, and I'm excited about that. Hope and pray that you are as well. I do ask that you pray for me tonight. I desire your prayers, as always, that the Lord would have his way and will in everything that goes on. But you keep your place there in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We'll get back there in just a moment. But I want to share with you one of my favorite verses in James chapter 1 that... Um, that song reminded me of it. And it comes from James 1 and verse number 17. Listen to what the Bible tells us. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. If you believe it, say amen. amen. Now, I want you to think about all the good gifts that God's given you. I mean, there's a lot of them. If we would just take a moment and count our blessings every day, we would instantly become rich. <laughs> When you remember just how good God has been in every area of your life. Do you know if you've got food in your bellies, it's because God's good? And you've got clothes on your back, it's because God is good. And you've got a roof over your head, it's because God is good. And you've got them healthy babies that you love, it's because God is good. You know that um, everything that we look at in our lives that's a blessing to us, we've got it because God is good. Every good gift comes from Him. But then he goes a step further, and he says, every perfect gift. Now, folks, there's a lot of good things in my life, but I only know of one perfect thing. The only perfect thing I have in my life is the gift of my salvation. It's the finished work of Jesus being made real to me day by day, continually throughout my life. It's my eternal life that's been given to me because I've trusted in who Jesus is. And what he's done on my behalf. What a blessing. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. With whom is no variableness. You know what that means? He doesn't change. He doesn't change. Brother Scotty was just singing about God is always good. He is. He is. He's always good. He's never going to change. We always know what to expect when we come to the Lord. We really do. And, and, and that's saying a lot. you know. And, and sometimes I think that's very hard for us to, um, to grasp because we deal with people on a day-to-day -day basis. And sometimes you never know what to expect when you deal with people. You know, you may get one version one moment and another version the next moment. Regardless of how you treat them, you get different versions. Let me tell you what's good about God. Regardless of how I treat Him, I get the same version. See, I... I'm, I've, I've come to the realization that regardless of what I do, God is the same. Do you know that? Do you, do you realize tonight? There's not one thing you can do this evening to make God better than what He is. You can't. There's not one thing you can do this evening that would make God love you any more than He loves you right now. Now, why do we do what we do? Because we love Him. Because we love him. Not to make him love us more. He already loves you as much right now as he's ever going to love you. We don't work for the Lord and serve the Lord to gain his favor. Listen, God doesn't love us and he's not good to us because we're good. He loves us and is good to us because he's good. That's the amazing thing about this. He, there's no change in him. I love that. I love that. Man, sometimes you just don't know what to expect from people you come in contact with on a day-to-day -day basis. 
Uh, but I'm thankful when it comes to the Lord, he doesn't variate. There's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He's always going to be the same. He remains the same, uh, like the scripture says in Hebrews 13, 8. Uh, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. He doesn't change. I'm so very thankful for that this evening. Brother, thank you for that song. That blessed my heart. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2 is what we're going to look at tonight. Here in this second chapter, the Apostle Paul really continues the thought um, that we looked at last week. And he's talking about the importance and power of the gospel uh, last Wednesday. And um, folks, he continues with that. And it's very important that we see just how important and just how powerful the gospel is. Because that has to be the foundation of everything we do. And if that's not our foundation, then we've got the wrong foundation. If that's not our foundation, then we're building upon wood, hay, and stubble. We'll see that as we go on through the book of, of 1 Corinthians. But man, we've got to keep the main thing the main thing. And that's what Paul is sharing with the church at Corinth. And that's certainly what he's sharing with us through the living word of God tonight. We've, we've got to be focused upon the preaching of the gospel, and that has to be foundational in all we do. And so let's just start there in verse number one. I'm going to read for you the first nine verses. That's what I'm going to try to get through tonight, and then we'll look um, at the rest next week, Lord willing. Let's look at verse number one. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ, and him crucified. I love that. He said, man, when I came to you, I came preaching Jesus because that's what matters. Then he says in verse 3, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and in power. Everybody say demonstration. It's very important that we see that. The demonstration of the power of the Spirit. That's what makes all the difference if the difference is going to be made in my life and in your life. The Spirit um, of God working on us, in us, and through us by His power. Verse 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Everybody see that? He says, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For, he, for if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Lord, I want to thank you for loving us. And Lord, tonight, before we do anything else, we just want to praise you for being good. We want to thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you've done in our lives. For, Lord, what you continue to do in our lives. Lord, I'm thankful for your provision. I'm thankful for your protection. I'm thankful for you always being the same. Lord, I'm thankful that you're good regardless of how I am. Lord, that makes me want to be better. That makes me want to serve you, Lord. And I'm so thankful I get the opportunity to do just that. Lord, I'm asking that you would teach us from your word tonight, Holy Spirit. Have your way and your will in the service. Speak to our hearts and minds. Lord, you know I can do nothing, and I want to do nothing in my ability. Lord, I want to preach in your power. I want to share your truth. Lord, it's not about me. 
may all this be about you and for you. Not for my glory, but for your glory. Lord, I'm praying that you would use me tonight as your vessel, as your mouthpiece to do your work. Lord, I pray for each and every person that's here this evening, those who are watching online. Lord, there's many different things that are going on in people's lives that I know nothing about, but you know all things. You know what's needed in every situation. I'm praying that you touch those with hurting hearts, that you convict those that, needs to, uh, that need to come to you, that you comfort those that are dealing with trouble that uh, nobody else knows about, but they know and you know. Lord, we're praying tonight that you'd be just who you, play, you say in your word you are, and Lord, that you would help us um, this evening to share truth that changes hearts and changes lives. And Father, I'm praying that we'd be different when we leave here than we were when we came. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, here the Apostle Paul, again, as I said before, teaches us about the gospel message, and he continues to share the importance and power of it. Now, he's writing to the church at Corinth, and if you want to see a picture of what God did in the life of the Apostle Paul while he was at Corinth, you'll find that in Scripture in Acts chapter number 18. And really what you see there is an outline of what God did in the life of the Apostle Paul and in the Corinthian church while he ministered to them when he first came. What I want to do this evening is show you just a picture of the Great Commission being lived out. So I want you to keep your place there before we go any further. In 1 Corinthians 2, keep your place there. And I want you to flip over to the book of uh, Acts and, verse, and chapter number 18. Brother Nathan, if you will, please, sir, put for me on the screen the Great Commission itself. Matthew chapter 18, verses 18 through 20. Now, you know the Great Commission to be our mission. It's what Jesus told us. We are to be doing as his people, as his disciples, his followers. He spoke it to his original disciples, and, and we understand that. But you need to know everybody today who's made the, the decision to trust in Jesus as their personal Savior, how many of you understand you too are a disciple? You are a follower of Jesus. And so the truth that we find in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, certainly applies to them then. I'm talking about Peter and John and Matthew and Andrew and, and all of those disciples. It applied to them, but it certainly applies to us. And so we find our mission in the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother, if you will, please put that on the screen for me. Now, what you're going to see, Matthew chapter 28, please. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And I want all of you to turn to Acts 18, all right? Keep your Bibles in Acts 18. And I want us to see on the screen Matthew chapter number 28, verses 18 through 20. And watch what Jesus says in Matthew 28. Okay. All right, well, you keep your place there in Acts 18. We got some technical difficulties. I apologize for that. But I'm going to read to you from Matthew 28, okay? And I want us to see how this parallels, all right? How the gospel 
is being preached by Paul and the Great Commission is being lived out. He didn't just tell the, the Corinthians, listen, what the importance and power of the gospel was. It was by the, by the power of the gospel that that church started to begin with. And we find that outlined in the 18th chapter of Acts. Now, look what Jesus said, Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, meaning his disciples, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That's the first thing Jesus says in verse number 19. Look what Paul does when he comes to Corinth. In Acts chapter 18, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. All right? The Bible says go and, and, and preach the gospel, make disciples. What did Paul do according to Acts 18.1? He went to Corinth. Now, we've talked about this several times. We're going to keep talking about it. When it comes to missions, when it comes to us supporting the preaching of the gospel across the street and around the world, because that's what missions are, when it comes to that, there's three specific ways we need to be involved in it. Now, we all know we need to pray for missions. Can somebody say amen to that? You need to be praying for the gospel message to go forth and for people to be saved. So we certainly need to pray for missions. We need to pray for missionaries on the mission field. No doubt about that. We always want to pray and ask God to do what only God can do because, folks, I know we have not many times because we ask not. And I know there's power in prayer. And when God's people choose to take advantage of the privilege of prayer, the power of God is released upon that situation. So I'm asking you to pray for missions. Pray for missionaries. If you're looking, um, wondering what missionaries you specifically need to be praying for right now, it's some right from this church. Because this summer, we're planning on going to Costa Rica. Amen? And when, before we go, we're praying that God would not only work on the hearts and lives of people that are there that we'll be ministering to, but I'm praying that God will continue his work in my heart and in my life. And he prepares me to minister to them when I get there. And so we need to do that. Pray for your missionaries that you will be sending this summer. Not only for the ones going from this church, but missionaries that are going all over the world. We certainly need to pray for missions. But now listen to me. That's not all. We also know where to give to missions. And that's very important. We should do that. We want to do that. That's why we do things like we do. That's why we do fundraisers and allow you the opportunity to partner with us and being able to go and share the gospel message. Now how do you know the gospel is free? But plane tickets are not. The gospel's free, but getting there costs you something. Plain to, listen, the gospel's free. Salvation is free to all who believe, and I can't wait to share with everybody I can about the free gift of salvation made possible through the finished work of Christ. But listen to me. It's going to cost something in a hotel. What, what I'm saying is it takes money to do the work. And I believe it should be God's people who support the work. That's the way it's supposed to happen. That's how God's word outlines it for us. It tells us that that's what we're supposed to do. We are to pray. We are to give. But how many of you know, listen to me now, we are to go as well. We are to go as well. And I never want you to miss that. It's, it's good to pray. Because I think a lot of times, 
especially in the Southern Baptist Church, we've kind of got the idea, well, we send missionaries to the mission field. We give to the cooperative program. We give um, to missionaries internationally that's, that's in foreign lands, but also nationally in our country, planting churches. And we do all of that through the cooperative program that we give into. No doubt about it. But folks, listen to me now. I want you to get a hold of this. It's not just our obligation to pray and to give, but the Bible has commanded that we go. And if we miss out on the going, we miss out on a fantastic opportunity for God to do a great work in our personal life, our personal ministry. You say, Brother Israel, shouldn't we be called to the mission field? Well, sure, there's a special calling from time to time for missionaries to go to different places. No doubt about that. To minister to certain people groups. No doubt about that. But let me tell you something. A lot of times I think we kind of use that as a cop-out. We wait for God to, to, to give us some kind of clear direction on where we're supposed to go when all the time Jesus said, Go. Go. Some things you ain't got to pray about. If Jesus said go. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now I know God leaves you in specific directions. I'm not saying that. I know God has specific callings. I, I, I get all that. But a lot of times we just need to do what the Bible says. We need to pray, yes. Give, yes. Go, yes. So where are we going to go? We're going to go across the street. We're going to go across the around the world. However God leads. However God opens those doors. What I don't want us to get in the mindset is this. Well, we, we only go on the mission field when we go to Costa Rica or we go on a, a specific week out of the year. Then we're going to be on the mission field then. No, listen. As, as believers, as Christ followers, we're always on the mission field. Listen, I can be I am on the mission field in my home as, as I'm loving my wife and, and listen, teaching my children and trying to lead my family in a way that God would be pleased. That's a great that's a great mission work. Hey, I, I, I'm, at, I'm, on my, I'm on my mission field when I'm at my workplace. There's lost people at my workplace. I can, there, God gives me the opportunity to show and share the love of Jesus. We can be on the mission field wherever lost people are and we should be. Brother Sean Doss used to have a t-shirt that I loved and it said, my life is a mission trip. I love that. It's not just a specific time or a specific place that we go to to be on the mission field, but we are to go and preach this gospel wherever God opens the door. Yeah, that may be in Costa Rica. That may be in Cuba. That may be anywhere else that we plan on going as God opens those doors. But listen, it's certainly around your friend groups that you're around every day, your family that you're around every day, your workmates that you're around every day. Pray, give, go. Let's get involved in the work of missions. Can you say amen? Man, that is so vitally important that we get a hold of that. Jesus said go, what did Paul do? He went. He went to Corinth. Not only did Jesus say, go ye therefore, but then he says something else. 
He says in verse 19, make disciples. How do you make disciples? You teach them. You teach them. We'll look in Acts 18 and verse number 8. Paul says it like this. The Bible tells us, And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the, of, of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. So what's Paul doing when he gets to Corinth? He's teaching them, preaching unto them, the message of the gospel. Jesus said that you are to go, make disciples, and then he says they need to be baptized. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's verse 19 of Matthew 28. Well, in verse 8 of Acts 18.8, when Paul went to Corinth, not only did he go, not only did he preach the gospel, but as people believed, he baptized them. Do you see this picture of the gospel being lived out in the apostles' life? Why was Paul's ministry so powerful? Why was Paul's ministry uh, one that we're still talking about today? Why did God use Paul like he used? I'll tell you why. Because his foundation of everything he did, every message he preached, every letter he wrote, the foundation was the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what makes the difference. And that's ultimately what we've all been called to according to the great commission that Jesus gave us. So he says, you are to go, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And then verse number 20 of Matthew chapter number 28. Watch how he puts this here. I love this. He says in Matthew chapter 28 verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. Paul remained in Corinth according to Acts 18.11 for one year and six months. So he stayed there a long time teaching to these people the word of God. He's doing what Jesus said do. Let me tell you something, Malzahn. Let me tell you what we need to do. What Jesus said do. Amen? Let, let's not make this more complicated than it needs to be. Let's not make this something that we have to continually figure out. Let's just do what Jesus said do. Go, preach and teach the gospel as people believe, baptize them, and keep discipling them in their faith, teaching them to observe, like Jesus said, all the things I've commanded you. And you know what Jesus told them? Lo, I will be with you always. Look what he says here in Acts 18, verse number 10. Jesus spoke to the apostle Paul and says, For I am with thee. Do you see the parallels? Do you see how what Jesus said in Matthew 28 is being lived out in the apostle's life? Do you see why his message, his ministry is so powerful? Do you see how God used him to change the world? It's all because his foundation was on the gospel message. And it's so very important that we remember that. I believe with everything in me, if we'll just do what Jesus says do, he'll bless it. So we've got to keep preaching this gospel. We've got to keep sharing this truth. We need to show the love of God in our life and share the gospel message with our lips. Both are very important. 
Amen? Very important. The showing gives us the platform for the sharing. But if we don't show the love of Jesus, it's really hard to share about the love of Jesus. So all of it works hand in hand. I hear a lot of these people talking about the, the differences in the social gospel and the preaching of the gospel. Well, you can't have really have one without the other. Do I believe in feeding hungry people? Absolutely. Do I believe in clothing people who need clothes? Absolutely. Do I believe in putting roofs over people's heads that need homes? Absolutely. I believe in doing all that. But if all I do is feed hungry bellies, if all I do is put clothes on people's backs, if all I do is put a roof over their head, all I'm doing, if I don't share the truth of the gospel, if that's all I do, then guess what I've done? I've made this world a better place for them to go to hell from. So we've got to share the truth of who Jesus is. We've got to share this message because there's power in it. There's power in it. That's what Paul is going to tell us tonight in all these nine verses. First of all, Paul makes it clear that the gospel centers on the death of Christ. Let's look back, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In verse number one, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Look what he says in verse number three. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now Paul says, when I came to you, this is how I came. This was my attitude. That's what he's really sharing in these first three verses. His attitude was that of a humble servant. His attitude was that of them, him coming, listen, not with excellency of speech and not with these, um, you know, this, this great oratory um, message that, that he gave that would, would uh, just cause people to respond. No, no. He came just sharing the simple truth of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That ought to be encouraging to all of us. Do you know you don't have to be a great orator to share the gospel message? You don't. A lot of people think, well, I can't go and share my faith. I can't share the, the message of the gospel because I'm not a preacher and I'm not like this preacher and I'm not like that preacher. You ain't got to be like any preacher. You don't. Matter of fact, God didn't create you to be like anybody else. God created you to be you, full of himself, doing what he told you to do. That's what God wants. And all he expects of us is to sow the good seed of the gospel to as many people as we can possibly preach to. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. And then, by his power, lives can be changed. And the reason Paul came not with excellency of speech, he did not want these people to trust in the messenger and not in God. Could he have come with excellency of speech? Absolutely. Listen, this brother sat at the feet of the greatest teachers in Jerusalem 
for most of his life. He was a very learned man, educated highly, sat at the feet of Gamaliel, the, uh, who was known to be the greatest teacher of the Jews at that time. However, Paul didn't come you know, with this great oratory. He just came preaching the simple message of who Jesus is. That encourages me. We can all share this message. We should all share this message. I think a lot of times people get um, sidetracked by someone, a man's ability to share the message. And that shouldn't be the case. I heard a story one time about a pastor who had been preaching at a church for quite a while. And back in the pulpit behind the, where he was preaching at there, behind the pulpit and uh, back on the back wall was a stained glass window of Jesus. And the man was a very tall man. The preacher was very tall. And one Sunday he had a visiting pastor come. Uh, he was out of town. And the pastor that came was much shorter than the, uh, the original pastor, the one who, whose church he was preaching at. And so um, uh, as that man who was much shorter was standing up here preaching, one of the little girls uh, back on the back pew looked over to her mama, and he, she said, Mama, uh, when's the man who always stands up there and, and, and so we can't see Jesus? When's he coming back? And sometimes I think that's exactly what happens. Sometimes we get so sidetracked with someone's ability to share the message um, that a lot of people want to trust in the messenger instead of in the God that they're preaching about. That should never be the case. And Paul is making it plain. That's not why I came. That's not how I came. I came to share with you the message of Jesus. And the message of Jesus um, has to include the death of Christ. And what it means and why that's important for each and every one of us. It's amazing to me as I've shared my faith how many people know Jesus died. Everybody realizes that. But they really don't know why he died. They really don't know why he, that, that was needed for us to be forgiven. And, and in that message is where we find uh, not only the, the, the love of God for all of us, but also the true message of the gospel itself. You know, and so you've got to always, always, always share um, the, the, tr the truth of who Jesus is and what he did for us. That's why he says in verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I've told you this before, but I want to keep telling you folks, we've got to keep sharing uh, about the blood. Because without the shedding of blood, the Bible says there is no remission of sins. A lot of people don't like talking about that anymore. A lot of people don't like sharing about uh, the power that's in the blood that was shed for us. Folks, listen to me. If the gospel message has no message of the blood of Christ that was shed for us, then there's no message there at all. So we've got to continually um, keep the main thing the main thing. Look how Paul puts this in verse number 4. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Now, what was the demonstration of power um, by the spirit that he's talking about? Well, it was the evidence of changed lives. Hey, that's what makes all the difference. When lives are truly being changed. 
Are you hearing me? That's what makes the difference. That's what made Paul's ministry so powerful. That's why everybody could look at what God was doing in Paul's life and say, man, God is doing something with him. Look at the people's lives that are being completely changed by the message. So the demonstration was the evidence of changed lives that was happening wherever this man went. His aim, we also need to see, not just his attitude, but the aim of Paul's message, again, he wanted their faith to be in God and not in the messenger. Never put your faith in a man. That's not what this is all about. I had um, a lady, I guess about three or four months ago now, she was talking to me about something that happened at a church that she had been attending for quite a while. And she said, Brother, I just can't go back. I'm, I'm done with church. I'm, I, I've just been hurt too bad. You don't know how that hurt me. And, and folks, I certainly understand you can be hurt in church. I get it. I know that. That's happened to me. And if you stay around long enough, it'll probably happen to you too. I mean, I, I get all that. I'm not trying to diminish that in any way because that is a real hurt that'll tear your heart out. You know, when, when you are, are around people who you believe loves you like you love them and you feel as though that's truly your family and when you find out, you know, a lot of times that may not be the case, well, that'll rip your heart out. That hurts. I get that. But now listen to me. If you being hurt in church keeps you from worshiping God, keeps you from serving the Lord, then you've really got to take inventory and think about why you were serving and who you were serving to begin with. Do you hear me? Because people are just always going to be people. And I'm going to tell you something. If you put your eyes on people, if you put your eyes on people and you look to them, I want you to know, sooner rather than later, you're going to be discouraged, doubtful, and ready to quit. Because I don't care who they are, men will fail you. I want you to know, I don't want to fail you. It's not my intention to fail you, but I will. Because I'm just like you. A sinner saved by grace. And I'm still growing in the Lord just like you're still growing in the Lord. And I've still got an old fleshly sinful nature that I'm trying to die to. Just like you've got a fleshly sinful nature that you're trying to die to. I'm just saying, do not put your faith in men. Can't do it. Can't do it. And I think what Paul is saying right here is his aim is for everybody to look to Jesus. His aim was not so that men might look to him and put him on a pedestal. No, 
because he realized that he was just a sinner saved by grace. Amen? So be careful with that. Be careful with that. I was watching just this past week a documentary on uh, Scientology and these people that absolutely worship a man by the name of L. Ron Hubbard. It just absolutely it blew my mind. It, it just blew me away. The lengths these people go to, you know, to, to worship this man and his teachings. And as I've been studying this this week, getting ready for this service tonight, I thought, man, how important is it that we stick with the main thing? We don't need to get sidetracked on man's wisdom. What we need to do, what we need to do, what we must do is keep our focus on the gospel message. Man, so very important. So Paul's attitude is one that he came as a, as a humble servant, not to, um, with excellency of speech, so that he might be lifted up, but just with the clear message of the gospel that truly changes lives. His aim was for people to put their faith in God and not in him. And I think that was happening to some degree in Corinth, maybe by some of the other preachers that were, that were coming through. And, he, and he's dealing with all of that. So let's, let's move on to verse number five now. Look what he says. He says all of this in these first four verses to really make plain in verse five that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. That's good. Your faith, can again, cannot be in man or what man says, but what God says, the truth of God's word. Verse number six. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, and yet not wisdom of this world, nor of the prince of this world that have come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. In a mystery. I love um, Dr. Warren, Warren Wearsby. He says that the mystery in this verse is the sacred secret the sacred secret that God revealed to us through the person of Christ. And folks, I'm so thankful that we've got the message of Jesus. The mystery of the gospel has been revealed to us. Aren't you glad of that? Amen. The Bible says in the book of, of Hebrews, when it gives the hall of faith, but all these people who went through terrible things standing for the Lord, it says that some of them were sawn asunder and uh, some of them were... Um, were killed for their faith in, in, in all kinds of gruesome ways. But, but he goes on to say, but God has revealed these things to us. These people in the Old Testament, they didn't have the message of the gospel revealed through Christ. All they were doing was looking forward in faith to Jesus that would come. I'm thankful that we get to look back and see what he's already done. And so the mystery of the gospel has been revealed to us. And this Gospel message, the sacred secret, needs to be shared with the world. Now let's go on. Verse number 8. Which none of the princes of this world knew, for if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor has ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. The wisdom of God has been revealed to us through the clear gospel message fulfilled in Christ and I'm so very thankful for it now 
let me say one other thing. The Bible makes it clear here that it's by the Spirit and power of God that people come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. It's what Paul's saying in verse number four. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. It's by the work of God's Spirit and by His power that lives are truly changed. Let me caution you as a dear pastor friend of mine, an older gentleman years ago, cautioned me. He said, be careful about telling people because they've done something, they're saved. Did you hear me? Be careful about that. Do you know it's not your job to tell somebody they're saved? Do you know that's far above your pay grade and my pay grade? I never do that. You may tell you why? Because I don't know your heart. I don't know where you're at with the Lord, just like you don't know where I'm at with the Lord. And so whenever we tell people they're saved because they've done something, you can give them false hope. You can keep them in a place where they think they're okay, but they're not. I never want to do that. Let me tell you what you need to do. Share the message, pray for that person, and leave it to the Lord. I, I don't push people into trusting in Jesus. You know, one thing that I, I try to be so careful about is with kids. You know, because the truth is, um, you can talk kids into pretty much anything if you're not careful. Well, I don't want to talk them into it. We don't need to talk them into it. Let God do that when he's ready. And then it'll be done right. I've had parents, man, just really get sideways with me because I won't force their kids into praying a sinner's prayer. I'm not doing that. We can't do that. Because again, that gives them false security. Let God do that work. Share the, the plain, clear message of the gospel, who Jesus is and what he's done, and let God the Holy Spirit by his power do the work. And then let me tell you what God will do. God will, will give witness to us who have believed and to whoever has believed. He will give witness to them that they are God's children. Let me give you a scripture on that. Go, go to Romans chapter 8. And let's look down at verse number 11. Well, you're talking about some powerful, powerful verses of Scripture right here. I love it. 
Romans 8 and 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Verse 14. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, watch what, watch what this says. They are the sons of God. Do you see it? It's a work of the Spirit that makes us sons of God. Let's go on. Verse number 13. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry of a father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit, watch this now, that we are the children of God. So does the Bible not plainly tell us right there that the Holy Spirit of God will bear witness with us that we are where we need to be with the Lord? See, I can't do that. And you can't do that. And if we try to do that, we can mess some people up. I don't want to mess nobody up. Let God the Holy Spirit do that work. Let him do it in his time. And it'll be done right. Amen? Anybody got anything else? Comments or questions tonight?